0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been too long, everybody. It's been too long. Yesterday was uh, preempted by football, which is okay, but I missed you guys. So great to be back. It's Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. We got a lot to cover. Go to ProAmericaReport.com, by the way, if you ever need to catch up on what we covered, if you miss anything, and also to sign up for the daily email, What You Need to Know, the WINK, W-Y-N-K, what you need to know. That's what we do now at the beginning of the program, what you need to know. What's the WINK? Hey, Ed, tell me what the WINK is. I'll tell you in a second. We'll get to the wink and cover a lot more. Some great guests coming up on today's program. Uh, we will visit with Julie Kelly, who is uh, the author of the book uh, that is called, uh, let me get it right, Never Trumpers. That's not right. Her newest piece over at American Greatness is called The Resistance, War Games, Post-Election Civil War, which is a great piece. And she explains it all there. So, And also we'll talk with Dr. Decker in a few minutes. And uh, oh, also, let me remind you, I'll talk about it at the end of the program, I'm going to give it a, a real rip-roaring advertisement It's called Eagle Countdown. Each September for 50 years, we've had the Eagle Council. Phyllis Schlafly hosted the Eagle Council. We gathered, sometimes in D.C. area, sometimes in St. Louis, the world headquarters of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, and we had this gathering. I tell people we fortified... We fortified, excuse me, fortified and fellowshipped. We would get together, fortify ourselves, what's going on, what's happening, fellowship, be with the patriots that know what's going on. A few years ago, Phyllis Schlafly hosted it in St. Louis Eagle Council. We had uh, eight presidential candidates. I'll never forget uh, Rick Perry, Governor Rick Perry of Texas. He dropped out of the election, the presidential campaign. At our event, it was kind of a mixed thing. He was a great guy. He is a great guy. Uh, went on to serve to, with great distinction at the Energy Department under President Trump. So that's Eagle Council. Well, this year, because of the rules and the laws and the COVID and a bit, we're delaying it until late January after the inauguration, maybe early February. I haven't got the date nailed down. But instead, we're doing a virtual presentation called Eagle Countdown. Go to EagleCountdown.com. You can see it all. We've got Ted Cruz coming, Senator Chuck Grassley, David Horowitz. We've got uh, all kinds. Julie Kelly, I think, will be on all kinds of guests. Selena Zito talking about Josh Hawley is going to come through. I think he may send a video talking about what? Two things. Promises kept. What have four years of the Trump administration yielded? What exactly? Promises kept. I'll talk more about that another tomorrow. Second is what's at stake? I tell, I tell people, America on the brink. We're on the brink of what? We're on the brink of a golden age. The golden age is coming if we reelect President Trump and stop the silliness and the madness and all. We're on the brink of chaos if we let the left take over. So that's what's at stake. Eaglecountdown.com, check that out. We'll talk more a little bit later. All right, but what do you need to know? What's today's wink? Let's talk about it. Look, there's only one thing I think that you, we should be talking about, although we'll talk about a few more. I always like to cover a few things. And the number one thing is, what has been named the Abraham Accords. The Abraham Accord is the signing. Now, the reason it's so powerful, of course, is because Abraham is the patriarch of the three Abrahamic religions. The three religions of Abraham are Judaism, Islam, Islam, and Christianity. And so what is President Trump doing today? He's having a peace agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain is going to come in next. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. As he just said, the president said, I saw, excuse me, I saw the videotape of it a few minutes ago, it was earlier today, I guess, in the middle of the day, and he said, the president said, Israel's had two treaties, two peace treaties in their whole history, they have two more in the last month, and more to come. And here's what the president said, I, I have to tell you, and I'm going to segue into what this means for leadership, too. The president said, I kind of think of it as a backdoor, we took the back door, and he said, I think it's the smart door meaning in other words instead of trying to get israel to make a deal with iran or israel to make a deal initially with saudi arabia or israel to make a deal with palestine do a back door side door smart door president trump said leadership get bahrain and the united arab emirates to come on board to normalize things to show they can work together to get some benefits to see that peace is prosperous if you're Palestine right now, you ought to be saying, you know what, let's get in on this deal because it's good for us. Let's make it, you know, every day it gets, by the way, less advantageous. If I was Palestine, I'd call up today and I'd say, hey, can we get in on this? Because it's really going to be, you know, a special time. That's what the president did with the smart door. He called it the smart door. I, I, I think actually that this will be recognized in history. This, This guy was really good at this. This Trump was really good at this. It's a, it's kind of like um getting Kim Jong Un to settle down. He didn't get a deal, but he got him to settle down, behave. He he made him feel good and all the rest. I mean, I don't know, but maybe that's not a good example. But in peace in the Middle East, so the Abraham Accord is extraordinary and what everybody seems to be implying is that there's going to be more. And I have to think that the more that's coming is Saudi Arabia and if this president rolls out another peace deal in the next five weeks, six weeks, I mean, he, he deserves the Nobel Peace Prize. That's the, who cares about the Nobel Peace Prize, actually? I mean, I, I don't mean it that way. It's nice that there's such a recognition of these things, but it's so more political now than it's ever been. What you should care about is that our president of the United States has had the ability to make life better for us, to make things better for us, peaceful, less wars, less tension, less cost actually one of the things by the way is he's doing is selling a bunch of planes and military equipment to i think to the uae the united arab Arab emirates so i mean we're, we're selling stuff too but in the world what do we want it's it goes all the way back to george washington we want the biggest military we can the strongest that's what washington said so everybody knows if we want to fight we can but we don't have to military superiority is what it's called well now we have sort of Global morals—that's moral, moral superiority—sounds wrong, but I mean it. We don't want to invade anybody. We don't want to take their oil. We don't want to take their stuff. We just want less war. We want less prospect of of, of bombers hitting our tw- tw- twin towers or or Pentagon or or suicide bombers. We want less. We want to. We have our friends. It's fine. We we love uh, the Israeli people and we have their friends. We want peace for them. It's all true. But ultimately, this redounds to America's credit. The Abraham Accord is a, is peace in our time for we the people, and it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary, it's so great. What you need to know is Today is history. And if you, you don't have to like, I've started to say this a lot more. I think the president actually said this once. In fact, I think he was quoted earlier as saying something, uh, this is from months ago, but it was requoted today. Something like, you don't have to like me, uh, or my approach, this is Trump talking, to think that we're getting things done in the right direction. I mean, you don't have to like his tweets. I don't care. Like the peace. Take the tweets and the peace. How about that? And, you know, i just thinking about coronavirus. Fauci, you know, Fauci went to my college, College of the Holy Cross. He comes from New York. He went to the, the college I went to. And P, he, remember, he was lionized for like a week or a month or something. He was the guy. And now that the history's written, Trump listened to Fauci. He listened to Burks, maybe too much, by the way. He didn't overrule them. He, he got their judgment. Everybody disagreed on some stuff. We made some mistakes. Nobody knew what they were doing. But you know what? We, the, on the key things... Making sure we had enough ventilators, making sure that we had, uh, you know, the hospitals uh, didn't get overrun, making sure the people got what they needed PPE wise. We did pretty good on that. Better than pretty good. Great. We're dealing with a pandemic. But today I just have to tell you what you need to know today. Celebrate the peace. Celebrate the peace that's happened here. It's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. It is um, amazing to see. And it's something that I think history will judge really well. And by, let me finish this. Leadership, what you need to know is that's leadership. That's leadership, what this guy's doing, how he's doing it. And, you know, on the same day that this is breaking out, we got some never Trumpers. The, the Colonel Vinman, the guy who retired now, who was the whistleblower in the Ukraine thing. He's now said he's a never Trumper. Who cares? I mean, I never thought I think he was a Democrat. But talk about bad timing. His big interview was yesterday. I'm going to tell everyone I'm a never-Trumper now. Nobody cares. Why? Because we have peace in the Middle East breaking out. I mean, talk about priorities. All right, one more quick comment, and don't forget, today's wink is the Abraham Accords. Don't get distracted. But one more thing I want to tell you about because I don't want to forget. Big Ten football is just messing it all up. Now, I told you, and I'll just restate it real quickly, Big Ten Conference, Inc., is a board, excuse me, is a nonprofit incorporated in Illinois. The members of the board, it's a nonprofit, it's a corporation uh, incorporated in Illinois. The members of the board are the presidents of the 14 universities, all the big 10 universities. They did not have a valid meeting, in my opinion, a month ago when they canceled football. They did a phone call. They didn't take a vote and all. Over the weekend, in my opinion, their lawyers had them reform what they're doing because they met and such and nothing came of it but my opinion is that they're covering their tail because they broke the law well not the law they broke the, the bylaws and probably broke Illinois it didn't abide by Illinois law uh, a, a month ago but they haven't gone back to play football watch that story there's more there that we're not seeing yet about the Big Ten it's going to be messy messier than you think alright we got to run though that's today's Wink Ed Martin Pro-America Report check it out we'll be right back with a lot on the show Ed Martin right back Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Our old friend Julie Kelly is back. And I thought, well, when I got her, I said, you know, I got to talk to her about this piece that she wrote called The Resistance War-, Resistance War Games, A Post-Election Civil War, which is, I think it's two parts, she said, and it's really good. It's over in American Greatness. About four days ago, it published. Then I thought, well, I've got to talk to her about Colonel Vindman, because he decided last night he would announce that he's a never-Trumper, which is not news to anyone that watched how he acted. But anyway, and still, we have Joe Biden giving the speech today, which i didn't get to see because i was on the road and she did so anyway julie you got to catch me up on a lot of stuff how are you today
1: i'm good yes that's going in so i'm right i
0: i, I be, yeah before we get to anything else uh, colonel Vinman, did he even make your book i don't remember seeing him in there he was not a player before he decided to be a player right he
1: did not because my never trump book really covers the pundits and you know former yeah. conservative republican types Vinman is just Well, he's basically a traitor and, uh, you know, he's a state who worked with the Whistleblower and Adam Schiff staff uh, to bring about impeachment after uh, the failed Mueller uh, investigation.
0: That should be your next book. You do it. the next book is on traitors. Just call it traitors. You can do that one after you had to cover the Never Trumpers first. There's an overlap, of course, but okay. Well, before we get to the Biden speech today, I don't want to let this slip away because this um, this piece you wrote on in about a week ago, five, five days ago, excuse me, about the resistance war games, and and I think everybody's now heard about it, but but I, maybe not. So walk us through what we're seeing. This sort of like Never Trumpers plus the left plus the swamp gathering to do war games, and you say, well, that's fun. I used to play Risk in the basement of my friend's house, but this is really designed to be an information or disinformation campaign, and frankly, I kind of think it's working a little bit. So walk us through what you saw and wrote about, Julie.
1: So it's really important, ad, for people to take this seriously. Um, It's getting a lot of coverage. And some people are dismissing it as, you know, this is just the fantasies of these sore loser Democrats and never Trump Republicans. They really can't do anything. Untrue, as I said today in a separate interview, You only have to pay attention to what happened between November 2016 and January 2017 to see what these desperate Democrats will do, working with the media, never Trump Republicans, to make sure that Donald Trump does not make it into the Oval Office. They failed in that—incredibly they failed in that attempt. They have no intention of failing this time. So they are laying out— what is really a post-election civil war um, that will start. There won't be any election night. Don't wait around for George Stephanopoulos to announce who the winner is. They plan to extend this weeks, if not months. In one scenario, they get to January 20th, where they still haven't decided upon a winner because they are going to battle this in the courts, as we see the Biden campaign is lawyering up. This is part of their Project for uh, this nationwide crusade for mail-in balloting that will allow them to extend election day um, uh, under the guise of counting every vote, in which time they will try to delegitimize Trump, even if he wins the Electoral College and loses the popular vote, which hopefully now if he wins both, he really on a roll um if he wins both they will still try to do it but they have very specific plans and in my column today i discuss all the billionaires the trump hating billionaires who are funding this and they have a lot of tools at their disposal and bottomless pockets to make this happen so people really need to pay attention
0: uh, that the column, the, other, the second column, as you point out, is sort of two part. It's called "The Billionaire Backers of the Insurrection," and and it says the mostly behind the scenes attempt between election day and inauguration day to prevent Donald Trump from taking office. The first time will go public in 2020. Uh, it's a list of who's who of all these Democrats and Never Trumpers and all. Um, but here's my question, Julie, because you've now you've now seen it from the inside, you've figured it out, you've been talking about it, and and I, I'd say your experience of this is now pretty you know pretty broad of what happened. So. And what you saw and how the Russia hoax was a hoax and the Ukrainian hoax was the impeachment was a sham all that. But here's the question. It kind of works, doesn't it? I mean, for a third of the country, they believe this stuff already. Right. And so what the goal is, is not, you know, people say, I don't know if it's ever true. I I never knew if it was true. They say at the time of the revolution, you know, a third were loyal to Britain, a third didn't care, and a third were revolutionaries. You only need a third. It does feel like sometimes you only need 10 percent that are, you know, kind of committed. It's kind of working, isn't it, That disinformation? Oh, it
1: has worked. I mean, look, there is a significant chunk of the American populace who despise Donald Trump, and I call them junkies. So they need their daily fix, and they turn on MSNBC or CNN, or they open up the pages of the Washington Post and New York Times, and they have these never-Trumpers who pretend to be Republicans. Uh, you know, They think that they represent this big swath of Republicans who also oppose the president and want him out of office, which, of course, they don't. But, look, facts and truth don't matter to these people, right? They need mm-hmm. their... Trump-hating fix every day. And there's a new hero every day. You know, the past week, it's been Bob Woodward. It's now Colonel Vindman. You know, it's a whole host of people who who are, you know, the latest hero. And then they go away, and you think, well, okay, you know, where did that guy go? Where's his credibility? Jeffrey Goldberg, who made up the story in The Atlantic, he's already, you know, he's over, except for the fact that Joe Biden was repeating these already debunked claims in his speech today. Really, a vile uh, speech that he gave uh, about veterans today, we can talk about. But look, this is ongoing, and they have to be really, uh, really disillusioned right now because Trump is on a roll. Joe Biden is not capable of even campaigning, let alone serving as president. So they have to figure out a way to drag his body over, you know, the finish line not November, January, and so well, they've given us their
0: plan. Yeah, plans. The, Harris, the, the Harris administration needs to get him there, but all right, so we're talking with Julie Kelly, at Julie underscore Kelly 2 is her Twitter handle, such an easy one, and her book is Disloyal Opposition, uh, How the Never Trumper right, Trump Right Tried and Failed to Take Down the Presidency. You should read it because it'll explain what they're going to do again. It'll be different different plays, but same players. Uh, Julie, this speech today now, and I didn't see the one today, so you can fill me in a little bit, but yesterday's speech, the, the, they're talking Biden's speech, he did this Nearly hysterical speech. He called the president a climate arsonist. He was kind of yelling again. Um, yeah. Is this he, he's, he's almost talking to the edges. It doesn't seem like he's I mean, what are they doing here? You know, campaigns, you know, even some of these players is is Biden's speech today. Tell us what you heard and tell us what's he trying to do? This is
1: not a man who is winning by 10 points in a national poll. This is a desperate campaign. They are rolling out this man to say whatever scripted remarks are in front of him. You can tell he's not even processing what he's saying, because even a Joe Biden five or six years ago wouldn't stand in the middle of a field and claim that Donald Trump is manipulating the weather and setting suburbs on fire and putting suburbs under water which is basically the gist of what he was saying yesterday. Um, but today's speech and event was even worse. He traveled to Florida, where he has met Ben during the whole campaign. Um, he t- repeated the egregious, really despicable claims that Jeffrey Goldberg made in the Atlantic about alleged comments, anonymously sourced comments that Trump made about veterans, wounded veterans, uh, people who were killed in soldiers who were killed in action. It's been widely debunked by people who are actually there. But Joe Biden keeps exploiting this. And this is all he can talk about. And he talked about it again today. Um, And people, I encourage people to watch his speech. He was slurring stumbling over his words again not clear that he understood what he was saying he told a weird story about a veteran who ran over a woman and her dog and it was just all over the place um but he also referred to the harris biden administration now this is the day after kamala harris just said it and he said it without even correcting himself so he's really on a decline, continues to decline. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I just don't see how Democrats continue to think that this guy can win. Hence the plan that they have to make sure that at least, his, you know, some shell of Joe Biden yeah. takes it to the Oval Office in January. Well,
0: uh, one last question, Julie. We're talking with Julie Kelly, and, and uh, you need to get her book and read her column. I'll put it, her column up at American Greatness is where it runs. It's amgreatness.com. Uh, Julie, you um, The Democrats have already said that they—they've already shown their desperation, or their—not their desperation, their willingness to try anything. Russia hoax, the impeachment, et cetera. The Atlantic Um, Monthly—they've also announced or leaked that they have eight hundred, or seven hundred, or six—I don't know—lawyers ready to litigate to make this into Hanging Chads version. Uh, Here's my question for you: I think the Republican establishment generally doesn't know how to fight. Trump does. But do you get the sense that the RNC and the campaign understand they can win all the messaging? They can win all the votes in Wisconsin and Michigan. But if they're in state court in Detroit and in state court in Sheboygan, I don't know if that's a place, they have a court there, but they're going to be in a different fight. And do they know? Does the, does the, do the, because part of me says the establishment Republicans are sitting back saying, yeah, we'll let him do this. He's great messaging. He's going to surge, going to get peace in the world, but we're going to get our tail kicked by 800 trial lawyers who are going to litigate this thing into oblivion, and it'll do a good job of neutering uh, the Trump administration going forward.
1: Right. It's hard to say what the establishment Republican Party will do. I mean, I could say that the, the Washington Republican Senate and almost about 95 percent of Republican congressmen are useless. I think most of them would like to see <laughs> Trump lose because they can't right. handle him and they certainly don't defend him. I'm talking about people like Mitt Rom- Romney and that crew. Um, so but the campaign seems very aware of this. Donald Trump gave an interview on Fox News over the Again, he referred to this specific plan as insurrection. He said that they have a lot of lawyers that look like they're luring up, too. They're going to have help with the Justice Department and other federal agencies who are tasked with making sure that these elections are fair. So they're very aware of it. What made me laugh at is that they actually let their plan out because they're mm-hmm. so desperate for attention and media coverage that they release this plan. They, they're giving interviews. They're writing columns about it. So they're tipping their hand about what they're going to do. Um, And my follow-up column, just to finish up, will be about Big Tech's role. What they are doing Mm -hmm. already is interfering in the election. They're already censoring the president. They plan to do the same when it comes to mail-in balloting or voter fraud claims. So this is a very orchestrated effort, and we just have to make sure we work our tails off, get people really to the polls, fight them in Mm -hmm. court, and make sure that Donald Trump is back in the White House in
0: January. Yeah. All right. I got to run Julie Kelly at Julie underscore Kelly number two and her book is out there. Thanks, Julie. I got to run. I uh, will take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a minute. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's Dr. Decker, Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestselling author. Four years ago, right about now, I think like yesterday or the day before or tomorrow, I don't know, he made the New York Times bestseller list for his book, The Conservative Case for Trump, which I co-authored with him. And the late Phyllis Schlafly had some role in it, too. So there you have it. But uh, he's also written four or five other books. And he's a writer for the Wall Street Journal, uh, Asia, and then also is a senior editor or editor or whatever editor at the Washington Times and uh, writes over at the USA Today and is on their board of advisors for the editorial page. Teaches now at Defiance College. Uh, Dr. Decker, how are you? My first question for you is, I watched the Abraham Accord, Peace in the Middle East, that Donald Trump pulled off. It almost feels even to me like watching a movie because it's pretty cool. Am I I overdoing the Trump says this is great moment or is this a big moment?
2: Well, I I think anytime you get uh, enemies, uh, that people for a long time have not liked each other, you get them at the peace table. I think right. That's a good right. moment. Um, yeah. How long and how lasting it is? I think. I think we'll see. You know, we'll have to wait and see. But um, I think already you see the Palestinians uh, shooting off missiles into Israel. So, but you know what it is. What it reminds <laughs> me, and I'm, I'm sure you were thinking the same thing. Um, how quickly would another president get the Nobel Peace Prize, even just for getting for getting these, these accords done and, and I think that's just one reminder that's out there.
0: Well, and the other thing, uh, uh, and and not that everything is political when you're only six months from an election, and with this president and this media, everything's political anyway, I suppose. But it's hard to it's hard to um, almost imagine the impact of not one but two peace deals. He's going to have a second one, right? Bahrain is next, and then I suspect all this is teed up for Saudi Arabia. You know, Saudi Arabia couldn't go first, right? They couldn't be the one that goes first. They have to look like they're they're not they're the toughest or whatever. But I mean, what does this do to voters? I mean, it's got to. Make voters think positively about the president, right?
2: I, you know, I, American voters don't pay that much attention to foreign policy, so yeah, um, yeah. Yep. I, don't, I don't know if it has that much effect. You know, when I was editorial page out of the Washington Times, we had four pages of opinion content, you know, five or seven thousand articles a year, even during mm-hmm. the height of the Iraq and Afghanistan war, where you have lives at stake. Like nobody was reading articles on the wars because just they're not that interested in foreign policy when it comes down to it. Huh.
0: The um, uh, We're talking about Dr. Brett Decker. That's probably right. I mean, it feels right to me. But, uh, but, but then let me pivot then. But here's one that's a catch-22. Yeah, today, uh, the, um, the news came out from the um, Census Bureau data about 2019. And medium income reaches an all-time high. And because 6.8% one-year increase, it's a big deal, blah, blah, blah. But it was 2019. Right. So if you're the Democrats, you go, huh, OK, except you got 2020 where the shutdown. Right. I mean, there's it's hard to spin economic news from 2019 as great news, I think. What's your thoughts?
2: This is so weird. It's hard to know how people are going to vote based on on the economy that the polls have shown that voters uh, and, and not just Republican voters, but most voters um, don't hold Trump responsible for economic damage because of coronavirus. But at the end of the day, when mm-hmm. people show up at polls to vote, they do vote on pocketbook issues. You know, as, as Reagan put it very famously in 1980, "Are you better now than you were four years ago?" You know, a year ago, 90% of the country would say yes. Well, now yeah. maybe it be the answer is more difficult. So it's going to be very, yeah. you know. You know, who knows when we're going to know how people answer those questions.
0: Well, and that's a good. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a that's a good point. I mean, the question is uh, when you get to the when you get to the snapshot of the fall. But by the way, the snapshot isn't November third anymore, right? Uh, early voting opens next week, and or you know, and and uh, and then mail in voting's happening. Um, you know, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker, who teaches at Defiance College in Ohio, but was born and raised in, in Michigan, uh, among other places. But you look at Michigan, for example, or Ohio, where you're teaching now across the heartland, where you've written before about the how you Republicans got to win there and has got to pull things back can you um does the two questions here does the rioting in these cities remind suburban voters that the democrats are crazy you can't trust them and does that work for trump and the second thing is has the 2020 sort of collapse, the stall the great pause has that you know rolled back the good feeling for trump for sort of working class and, and lower middle class voters
2: As far as the riots and everything, you know, one, the media is not covering a lot of what's going on. And I think a lot of people actually don't know how bad it is in a lot of places, how many downtowns have been decimated. Um, I think the other thing is there's not that much middle in the country. It needs to be convinced. Right. So you have people on one side or the other. Most people are either Republican or Democrat or liberal conservative now. So you're not going to bring people over. It's just how how much can uh, the two candidates get out their own side, right? So can Trump get out as many people as he did last time? Um, or does Biden, you know, where's the enthusiasm for each side? I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the voting numbers are, right? We had record turnout four years ago. Uh, is it going to be that way this year? I'm not, you know, I'm not so sure. I think, I think, I think it might be a little bit depressed, uh, even with everything that um, hangs in the balance.
0: Well, I mean, the voter enthusiasm for Biden is clearly... There's not enthusiasm like there even... I mean, I guess with Clinton, there was enthusiasm in a way, but it's not like Obama. Uh, by the way, polling out from Axios, which Axios doesn't strike me as leaning particularly too far to the center. It's more leaning left like everything else. They're polling... This one I've been talking about for a long time. Asian Americans. Obama won seventy three twenty six versus Romney. And Clinton, 65-29, to okay? Right now, the polling is Biden that Clinton beat Trump. Biden is fifty-four percent. Trump is thirty, with fourteen percent undecided. If you're undecided, you don't break. You know, fourteen percent doesn't all break to to uh, Clinton, to Biden, which means Trump's going to get record numbers from Asian Americans. You start doing that across some categories of polling. I don't see how he's not in the strongest position he could possibly be in. Uh,
2: there are a couple factors that, that Trump's numbers are up dramatically with. Um, African American and Hispanic voters compared to four years ago, um, right? In right. some places, thirty to forty percent of the black vote, which is pretty unusual for a Republican. But I think also yeah. undecided they are mostly going to go for Trump more because people are reticent; they're afraid to say they're going to vote for Trump, even if yeah, they yeah. support him. Yep. If someone yeah. does, if someone I, supports Biden, they're not afraid because there's you know yeah, there's no <laughs> that's ridiculous. right. Yeah.
0: You know, that's I, I, I'm trying to come up with a phrase. Maybe you're a wordsmith. You could do it for not the never-Trumpers. The never-Trumpers I get, but I want the people that are going to say, they're already thinking about how to say, I don't like him. He tweets too harshly, but I'm going to have to vote for him because I can't stand the other guy. There's some term here. But anyway, i got to run. Unfortunately, Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestseller, Defiance College professor. Thanks for the time. We'll talk again next week. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. As Americans grapple with the issues of COVID-19, many think face masks are the be-all and end-all solution to stop the virus's spread. However, masks might not be providing any substantive protection, even if they are a visible symbol of a desire to see the crisis end. Some countries, such as Sweden, rejected the suggestion that masks be required, and they never shut down their society completely. Sweden indicated that masks can do more harm than good and could create a false sense of security. The mortality rate from COVID-19 in Sweden is not significantly worse than the United States or in Western European nations, which have required masks for many weeks. All have mortality from the disease of less than one in a thousand in the overall population. Iceland is another example of a nation rejecting the root of mask police. The latest data shows Iceland has had a mortality rate of only 29 per million residents, which is less than 7% of the reported mortality rate in the United States. Iceland had an outbreak of COVID-19, but then did what Democrats should have supported here, quarantine travelers from other countries. When people take off their masks, their hands typically touch their faces, which the CDC has long said is a particularly dangerous habit. Dr. Fauci even wants us to stop shaking hands permanently to reduce germ transmission by touching. If that's the case, why should we be handling masks that will inevitably come in direct contact with our nose and mouth? The wearing of masks in public places causes harm beyond COVID, which is why face coverings were against the law in many U.S. states just a few months ago. The idea of a faceless society has long symbolized descent into totalitarian control, and that seems to be where we're headed. The mass police are determined to exploit the COVID crisis to the fullest extent. With all the violent protesting, one would think that local authorities have better ways to spend their scarce resources than to be mask police. Yet here we are, living in a day when police are more likely to come after someone not wearing a mask than someone looting a Walmart. Is this what our society should become? This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then, share your own heart and mind on social media. So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back, Ed Martin here on Pro America Report. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com and go ahead and get yourself lined up there so you can see any of these interviews or anything else to catch up there. All right, I want to talk to you today. This, this last segment, I'm only talking about what's called the Eagle Countdown. And those of you, I've been out in San Diego. We did events out there. We've had some great gatherings. And uh, for, for in San Diego, you know, of course, I'm over in the swamp, not of the swamp. And across the country, we have Phyllis Schlafly Eagles that gather across the country next Sunday at 1 p.m pacific time 4 p.m east coast time we're going to begin a virtual eagle countdown what is it it's a four-hour strategy session sunday night sunday night september 20th and we're going to gather from excuse not sunday night that's sunday afternoon 1 to 4 p.m excuse me 1 to 5 p.m pacific time 4 to 8 p.m on east coast and we're going to gather virtual you can go to eaglecountdown.com. it's free And it's a strategy session about what's going on in America, where we are, where the conservative movement is, where we see things are. And it's mostly going to be about what the policy successes, promises kept, have been and what the future could be and what's at stake. You see, people don't only vote on, hey, I like this guy or that guy. They do. It comes down to a popularity contest in many ways. But a lot of times what they need is either... They need weight for their argument for what they want to believe, or they need ballast to hold their position. And that's what we do together. We're going to talk about, we're going to have guests. We have Congress. I think we have six congressmen, three senators coming on. We have members of uh, Ben Carson's uh, department. HHS is coming. Uh, somebody from the White House is coming. Some folks from all over, policymakers that are specialists on, uh, indivi- uh, excuse me, religious liberty. We'll have people talking about the economy. China experts. Grover Norquist will come through. He's got uh, his tax pledge. That's what he, he's kind of known for. All these people, And what are we going to do? EagleCountdown.com. Go check it out. Free. Free. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Next Sunday, next Monday, next Tuesday. You go from 4 to 8 p.m. East Coast time. 4 to 8 East Coast time Sunday night. 4 to 8 p.m. Monday night. 4 to 8 p.m. Tuesday night. And what are we going to do? Well, in those four hours, it's going to be from the world headquarters of the Phyllis Lively Eagles. And we got thousands of eagles all across the country. They're people that believe in the pro-America movement, the pro-life movement, the pro-family movement. It's pro-America first. Eagles gathering virtually. And from the world headquarters, not the world headquarters, from the D.C. headquarters of the Phyllis Lively Eagles, we're going to transmit kind of a, a conversation. It'll be a little bit like a radio show, but it'll be on TV, too. It'll be video. And we're going to be talking about sort of two threads driving through this whole thing. Number one, after three and a half, almost four years, what are the promises made, promises kept of the Trump-Pence administration? What actually have they done? What, what accomplishments do they have? Because if I can tell you or your neighbor or your friend, hey, this happened, this happened, this happened, and I can either give you encouragement to understand what's at stake or to believe what happened did happen, which is one of the things people forget, I think that helps. The second thing we're going to do is talk about what we're on the brink of. This election, we're on the brink of, we got we got to worry about the integrity of the election, voter fraud, mail-in fraud. What can you do? One of the things we're going to talk with is Ka- we're going to talk to Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote about how you got to not just work a poll. You got to be a poll judge. You got to be a volunteer to go and witness revote, uh, excuse me, a review of, of of mail-in ballots, all these things. President's asking for it. We got to do it as a part of our civic duty because the left, j- just like the left burned Minneapolis, just like they burned Portland, just like they messed up Seattle. Pick a city. They want to do that to our election day. They want to make the fraud rampant, the chaos rampant. They want to make people uncertain, unhappy, concerned. All that's going to happen. And we, we the people, have to gather EagleCountdown.com and fortify ourselves for what's going on and what we can do. Fortify ourselves on what's at stake and what's happening. Because my argument is, my sense is, we're on the brink of a golden age Peace in the Middle East, the economy screaming back. There's a there's a, a statistic that came out. I got out of the White House today about the uh, unbelievable news that the um, in 2019. It takes a while for this kind of data to to lag forward, and 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 and, and you go. Uh, this news came it's on wages on wages. So the 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 2019 wages. I guess the information on wages. It takes that long to to pull it forward, and the um and the reality of. What's happened in terms of uh, an increase in wages? 6.8% increase in wages in 2019. Let me say it better. Excuse me. Median household income in 2019, income rise 6.8% to $68,700. Now, the point here is, and this is a piece I'll put up on social media. I'm going to cover this tomorrow. I just wanted to, my point here is at Eagle Countdown, we're going to cover all this kind of stuff. We're going to get the ballast of what's happening so you can be fortified in your conversation about what's at stake. You know, I, I'm not telling you how to vote. I think you have a sense of my opinion on where things are, but I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm telling you that you got to be armed with what's smart to understand what's at stake. EagleCountdown.com. I can't encourage you enough. I can't ask you enough. Go to EagleCountdown.com. Get signed up and be a part of this because next, it will be Sunday night, 4 to 8 p.m. East Coast time. That's 1 to 5 p.m. Uh, uh, on Sunday in San Diego, 1 to 5 p.m. Pacific time on Monday, 1 to 5 p.m. on Tuesday, Pacific time. Also available later. You can watch it afterwards. We'll stream it live 4 to 8, 4 to 8, 4 to 8 p.m. on Monday, excuse me, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday if you're East Coast. And my point here is be a part of this. And you'll be able to comment. You'll be able to ask questions. You'll be able to text and all. We're going to have a great time. EagleCountdown.com. I hope you will join in and be a part of that. All right. Let me say thank you, as always, to our great technical director, Noah. He does a great job keeping things online. And also to Joanna uh, for booking our guests. Don't forget, you can reach me directly anytime. Ed at EdMartinLive.com. Ed at EdMartinLive.com. You can text me directly at 314-256-1776. Or go to ProAmericaReport.com. And you can link through there on the website and sign up for all that stuff. Look forward to uh talking to you again tomorrow it's ed martin here on a pro america Report. thank you for listening talk to you tomorrow